Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. If you need me, I want you to call me. I said if you need me, all you gotta do is call me. Don't wait too long. If things go wrong, great if we all had this amazing self-confidence. We were all so self-assured that nothing fazed us. If we look back at the records in history of Jesus, we find he had a strength and self-assurance that surpasses anyone that we've known. For instance, when the governor of Galilee, Herod Antipas, questioned Jesus about who he was, when the religious leaders stood by watching, shouting false accusations, when Herod and the soldiers began to mock Jesus and ridicule him, Jesus remained silent. He was also silent initially with Pilate, who seemed to have a bit more respect for him. I don't know if he did, but it sort of seemed that way. There certainly seemed to be fear as well. Carl Faze joins us this week for part one of how to be more confident, how to be more self-assured. Carl, you mentioned how Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he was going and didn't need to please anyone. He didn't even need people to like him. How can we be like that? How can we be that sure of ourselves and confident. There's two sides to that, Chris, and one is that in some ways we can't because we're not Jesus. And <laughs> I know that's a radical thought for some of us, but I think there are things that we can pick up from who Jesus was and how he acted that says, yes, there are some things that we can kind of emulate as it were. But it's actually important to remember that there are certain things that we can't, but we still need to do. Does that make sense? You know, And a couple of the things to say about um, about the confidence and self-assurance of Jesus was firstly that he lived to his own vision and goals, not to anybody else's. Uh, And that's not just Pilate. I mean, Pilate wanted Jesus to kind of say, well, don't you realize I can set you free? I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm the king of the castle here. You know, don't you think you should give me a little more respect? And Jesus kind of makes the point said differently in the Gospels that you only have the power and influence that God gives you. And in and in, in essence, he was also saying, I'm not giving you any power or influence over me. So he's completely quiet and silent because he doesn't need to justify himself. And I think part of it is he knew why he was there and knew where he was going and he didn't need to justify who he was. And it was his goals that he was living for. And, and he did that with the chief priests and, and the, the Pharisees. But one of the things to remember is he also did that with his disciples. There's a, there's a Wonderful little story where Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say I am? You can look it up in Matthew chapter 16. And they say, well, some say Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and, and uh, John the Baptist come back. And then Jesus says, so who do you say I am? And Simon Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah, you're the one we're waiting for. The next passage, Jesus then goes on to say, well, it's great that uh, God's revealed this to you. And now he revealed what's going to happen, that he'll end up in Jerusalem, that he'll die on a cross. And you remember that Peter takes Jesus aside and said, no, Lord, this won't ever happen to you. <laughs> it's a kind of interesting. There's so much we could say about this, which is that Jesus, Peter has just said, you are God. But then I, a humble fisherman uh, with no background or understanding, will tell you what you're supposed to be. But the, the intriguing thing was when you think about the pressure of that, what did Peter want? Peter had this perspective of who Jesus should be, and Jesus wouldn't fit that box. And all the way through Jesus' life, it's not just the pressure from those who were against him. It was actually the pressure from those who followed him, who said, well, if you're the Messiah, this is what you will be. So the whole idea was not just 
bowing to those who opposed, but also not giving in to those who followed, but saying, staying on his, his own vision and his own goals. And I think sometimes we lose ourselves either in, our, in the opposition or those who are following us because we feel the pressure to be what they want us to be. And, and confidence, quiet confidence is saying, well, no, this is who I am. And, and not living out those expectations. And, and kind of related to that is the whole idea of not trying to please people. I mean, Jesus was who he was and knew where he'd come from and knew where he was going. And so he wasn't actually there to please people. But I need you to Most of our lives, uh, we actually want to be liked. This sort of sneaking little desire to be liked on an ongoing basis. And because of that, we lose ourselves in the process. And, and I think the last thing about Jesus, which I think, I don't know if this is confidence, but it's just who he was as a person, which helps help the way he obviously lived, was he, he was actually here for other people. There's a corny saying that says, you know, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking less about yourself. So in other words, stop focusing on yourself. And so true humility is this picture of, I'm here for other people. And, and so you're not, you're not about grabbing stuff for yourself, uh, either the limelight or, or accumulation or position or power. You're actually comfortable with who you are. You're not trying to please people. You know your vision and your goals and where you're going. And, and those things together give Jesus, I think, in each of the situations he found himself, this wonderful, quiet confidence which um, spoke enormously about who he was. How can we be comfortable in our own skin? In this whole area, and uh, if we get time, I'd like to talk about some other areas as well, but in this whole area of following in the footsteps of Jesus, as it were, in being that person that's comfortable in your own skin, I think one is work out and be able to write down exactly what it is that your vision and goals are. What, what, are, you, what are you here for? Like, what do you think God has called you here for? And just kind of be clear on that in that process. I think, secondly, repent of, step away from, turn away from uh, the desire just to please people. And I don't mean to be, as you said in the question, to become arrogant and uncaring. But just your job is not to make other people happy, you know. And, and mostly we want to make people happy because if they're happy, they'll make us feel happy. And we just get into this terrible rut of pleasing people, which often means um, putting ourselves in a place where we're kind of unhappy with who we are because we're not being ourselves in that process I I would say and the third thing is just um, find places to focus outside yourself find places where you give yourself to other people and it's wonderful how comforting and reassuring it is that you know you're actually doing something that helps others and I think those those steps kind of help us on the on the way I also found that when my mindset changed from it's all about me to it's not all about me it really helped enormously for example when my brother doesn't want to hang out with me, I realised that he was going through issues from the past and about his own insecurities, and I had no control over them. It wasn't about me, and I made sure because I had righted any wrongs I'd done. Yeah. Yes, because, I mean, the whole it's not about, it's not all about us thing actually is a positive and a negative thing. We've got to see it from both those sides, which is your example beautifully demonstrates that often it's not all about us when it's positive, but it's not all about us when it's negative. There's a great book written by two Jews on leadership. Uh, they're just Jewish in background. And, uh, 
and the, the the last third of the book is actually looking after yourself. And these guys function in the, the political world of, of America and uh, so high-end politics. And one of their points is exactly that. One of the things that leaders need to understand in those high-end political positions is it's not about you. So if you're criticised, it's not about you. You know, if it goes brilliantly well, it's not about you. And and to actually don't lose yourself in your job, yeah. it's not all about you. Yeah. Because you basically, if you've been terribly criticised and you step away from your job, the criticism evaporates because yeah. it's not about you. Yeah. But they also said if you're a middle-aged man and there's all these young women running after you and you think it's all about you, <laughs> you might be having yourself on. <laughs> it might just be your position. And when you drop step down from your position, they're not interested. It's not about you. And it's a very, very levelling kind of way of thinking. If you need me, I want you to call me. I said if you need me, all you got to do is call me. Don't wait too long if things go and host of the men's series and the family series on Channel 10 and the ACC channel. He also hosts Face to Face. Part two coming up next week of how to have that self-assurance, that self-confidence. Our job now is to change our mindset. It's not about us. Not always. Make sure we've righted any wrongs and realise that other people have issues as well, so it's not always about us. When it is, we fix it. And if we've been wronged, we also try to fix it. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 5. If you're offering a gift at the altar and remember that someone has something against you, leave the gift there and go and be reconciled to that person. It's all about us making that first step to bridge that gap. And that actually contributes to us having more self-assurance, more confidence.